Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. This week, we have with with us again, Dr. Brian Hurley, the medical director of Amerivet Veterinary Partners. And he's here to talk to us about heartworms this week. So welcome to the show, Brian. Glad to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. And heartworms in cats is such an interesting topic because it's not... It's not something that you think about cats having. I remember hearing it for the first time in in a shelter. One of the vets, cats was having difficulty. And one of the vets said, well, cat has heartworms. And I'm like, what? I didn't think cats could get heartworms. So they can. And, And that leads me to ask, is it something all species can get, even us? No, mainly it's going to affect dogs, cats, ferrets wolves coyotes you know foxes Mm. um you know so some of and in rare instances even humans though i have not ever heard of that it was something that came up when i was kind of just refreshing my memory on heartworms and cats yeah it's not very frequent is it is there a statistic on how you know how often cats get it how common it is i haven't i haven't really read a statistic because it is diagnosed um rarely in cats because and i think part of that goes with the fact that it's just not on the forefront of our brains because it is rare for cats to get it that we're looking for it during an exam Mm -hmm. uh routinely you know so for instance we test dogs every single year is the recommendation but we don't do the same thing for cats right you know there's also uh, which I'm sure we'll cover why we don't necessarily routinely run in cats because it's difficult to diagnose in cats. Yeah. And now it's the, the shelter that, that I first came across this within was in, was in Texas. And we know that, you know, heartworms are really prevalent in, in the Southern warm States. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Well, cause mosquito season really doesn't end. Uh, like it does up in the northeast where you know you get the hard freezes and the mosquitoes kind of go away down you know in the south it's just a year-round problem very similar to your fleas and ticks in the south versus the north because we get that little reprieve the problem that we see in the northeast in particular you know where i practice um or practiced is the seasons have become so variable. You know, we have the harsh winters, but then we have the real mild winters. And, you know, we see that, hey, when do you stop your heartworm prevention? Um, And Mm -hmm. people, you know, still are of that mindset in the Northeast that you just stop your heartworm prevention in dogs when winter begins. And that's not necessarily the case. So, uh, and then when it starts back up can be variable because winters can end sooner, sometimes run long, you know? And so, and I think that's partly why we have the recommendation of year round heartworm prevention in our dogs. 
Right, right. So you were saying that it it's not something that you routinely check for. So what are well, first of all, let's start with what's a heartworm, right? What what is a heartworm? It's not a heart-shaped worm, right? <laughs> so what no, it, it, is it's it? a it's a parasite. So you know, there there's two types of parasites that we look for. So one of the things that everybody thinks of when we say, oh, we want to test for heartworm, they go, okay, do we need to bring a stool sample in? Because they're so used to the roundworms, the hookworms, and some of the other internal parasites that impact our GI system, where heartworm is a parasite, and it is a long worm. They can be incredibly long, upwards of a foot long, uh, that reside in the heart and lung tissue uh, of our pets, you know, both Mm. dogs and cats, though we also know in cats that it can kind of move to other areas of their body too, because they're not the primary reservoir. You know, they're not the the natural host for the heartworm. The dogs are the natural host for the heartworm, Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't mean the cats can't uh, harbor the heartworm as well. Interesting. I'd never heard of it being in lungs or other other places in the body yes so you know if you think about it all right so you have the mosquito the mosquito is going to go bite most likely a dog or coyote or wildlife in in the area that has adult heartworms in them and those adult heartworms breed within the you know within the host and then they create the baby version of the heartworm, the microfilaria. When the mosquito bites the infected dog, let's say, they're going to take that blood meal and they're going to get the microfilaria in their system. And within the the mosquito, it's going to go through a little larval change within about 14 days, you know, 10 to 14 days. And then what happens is that mosquito now takes another blood meal from the next dog, or let's say in this case, since we're talking about cats, cat, and then the microfilaria are going to start to migrate through that mosquito bite and get into the system. Mm. In our dogs, they end up maturing back to the adult phase. And and it's we don't see that happening as much in our cats just because, again, of the nature of they're not the, the natural host. Mm-hmm. So... That's kind of the mechanism of what the heartworm is and how it actually gets transmitted to our canine and feline patients. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so what symptoms would a cat be presenting that would make you do a heartworm test? And what are some of the other things you'd, you'd probably think of eight other things before you'd ever think of heartworms in a cat, right? Right. So anytime... Uh, a, a cat is, you know, coughing, they can have asthma-like symptoms that we are worried about, trouble, you know, with respiration or breathing could be a presentation uh, because of the inflammation that the heartworms can create in the lung tissue itself. Uh, but it can also just present as vomiting, it can present as lack of appetite, it can present as weight loss. And eventually we do start looking at it. And even 
now in the combo tests that we get, you know, to test for feline leukemia and feline AIDS, like we talked about in a previous issue, um, you know, issue of this, uh, they, they now can test for heartworm as well. Interesting. That's, you know, so we can at least screen them. Yeah. Yeah. Probably earlier than you normally would without that test. Right. Right. And you know, it, you know, it's tough because it's not something again, that is always at the forefront of our brains. And unfortunately they can have a lot of different symptoms that would mimic heart disease because the, the, the worms, when you think about a dog that has heartworm, they can have a massive worm burden. So they can have 30, 50 adult worms. Think about that size of the heart in some of our dogs and the massive lung tissue. In cats, it's usually one to three adult worms, you know, if they progress to that phase. But think about the length and how small their heart and the lung tissue is. And it really kind of wreaks havoc because it disrupts the the blood flow. It disrupts lung capacity because then you get this inflammation, which creates these secondary symptoms. And, And sometimes, you know, we probably miss a lot because it can create just like we talked about thromboembolisms in um, a previous episode during the the heart discussion, they can just suddenly collapse and die. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my first thoughts always, oh, must have been hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, but it could have been a heartworm disease as well. The reason I'm not as you know, concerned with maybe missing that it's just because it's rare, you know, to, to, you know, to see it. Yeah. Does it show up on x-rays? Sometimes you can see changes consistent with, um, heartworm in the x-rays, you know, typically in our, so in our dogs, we tend to run an, you know, an antigen test. It's looking for the antigen, you know, specific to the heartworm, adult heartworm. But in cats, because their worm burden is so low, that isn't necessarily as sensitive to be able to pick up every case. So we oftentimes also look at, you know, what they call an antibody test. So what we're looking for is, have they been exposed to heartworm? Yeah. Because then that leads us to continue the process. Take the x-rays. Do we see changes that could be consistent with heartworm? Uh, Do we do blood work? And see certain changes, you know, a high eosinophil count, which, you know, we often attribute to parasites, whether it's GI or heartworm. Um, and then ultimately, we can see them on ultrasound. Mm. You know, sometimes that's even performed as a means of diagnosis. You might be looking, ooh, maybe the heart, there's a, a valve issue, there's a thickening of the heart, there's something going on in the lungs, a mass and all of a sudden, lo and behold, you see these strings that you go, oh, my goodness, it's heartworm. Wow. That's interesting. Now, the tests, um, are they are they inexpensive? Are they how expensive is it for someone to have their cat tested? Most of them are reasonably priced. Okay. You know, it, it, like I said, in in our practice, we had a combo test that was leukemia, AIDS, you know, and the um, heartworm uh you know, tests in our practice. So 
invariably we weren't going, Hey, I want to test for heartworm. We're going, let's check their yeah. leukemia eight status. And whoa, Hey, we got a, you know, positive. And then it's kind of, is that a true positive or not? Right. Right. That's, it sounds like if, especially if your cat goes outside at all and, and you're in Southern state, sounds like that test would be something you'd want to just ask for in your annual exam as a making sure for peace of mind. Absolutely. And if you go to the American Heartworm Society, we should be testing all dogs and all cats for heartworm on an annual basis and putting them on preventives year round Mm -hmm. because heartworms out there and we know cats aren't immune from getting it, you know, but it's that balance of trying to figure out you know, qual- you know, the lifestyles, all these other things, locations, because it's rare. I, there's not many that are just routinely going, let's screen every single year. Right. Um, you know, for heartworm and in our cat population, because once again, we're not, that's not in the forefront of what we would anticipate seeing. No mm-hmm. stronger arguments definitely could be made for the South just because of that higher you know, the higher risk that's involved because of uh, the prevalence of heartworm in, in those regions. But right. it's been diagnosed in all 50 states. So it's not like any one state is immune. Just like one of the, you know, the interesting things, and you kind of mentioned it is, oh, well, if they're outdoors, you know, we should be thinking about testing them and absolutely correct. But we hear our dog clients that will say, oh, my dog strictly indoors goes on pee pads in the house, so I don't have to worry about heartworm. And we all know the mosquitoes are buzzing us at night in our house too. So, yeah, you know, it's indoor or outdoor you have to be concerned with, particularly in areas where there's um, a high occurrence. And we know we saw, you know, particularly in the Northeast after Hurricane Katrina, we had to revamp our entire protocols because as the pets came from the South, it takes six to seven months for us to, to identify an infection Mm. in our cats and dogs. And so even if they come with a negative status initially before they came up, you really can't completely say they're negative until you retest them about six months later. And if you still get negative, it's great. But we've started them on, you know, we've started patients on heartworm. And then all of a sudden, next year, they're positive. And so we go, oh, my goodness, they probably came from the South with it. We just waited a year to retest. It's not like it was a failure of the medication. Yeah. <laughs> Is the same it for cats too? And speaking of medications, so let's say someone gets a diagnosis of heartworms in their cat. Is it, are there medication for that? Is it treatable to get rid of them? Unfortunately in cats, it's not. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the treatment that we use in our, you know, canine patients to treat is arsenic, really. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a dose that obviously does not um, harm our, our canines. Uh, but in cats, we can't use that and there's no known treatment. So we're really kind of treating systemically and hoping that they, you know, that they clear. We know that infections 
barring any complications from those infections, uh, can clear in five to seven months in our dogs and sometimes a little faster in our, in our, you know, in our felines, just because of that, not being the natural host, you know, they, they can die a little sooner, but there's that time frame where you just try to control symptoms and control inflammation and hope that it doesn't create a clog or something that would cause sudden death. Yeah. Wow. So, but they could die off in five to seven months. So it's, but then do they, do they leave permanent damage behind? Absolutely. And that's the big concern in our cats is, you know, even if they clear it, the damage can be long lasting, you know, the, the, the changes in the lungs, things like that. And again, it's not five to seven months in, in dogs, it's five to seven years. Oh, they, you know, they will, uh, die off. Oh, wow. So that's, so that's really serious. And then if you test every year, like, let's say your cat tests positive for heartworms and has heartworms, there's nothing you can do about it, but you're testing every year at some point, will they test negative or is the test for exposure? And so they're always going to test positive. Depends on which test you're looking at. If you're looking at the antigen test, we would tend to see that clear as the the adult is no longer present. Okay. With antibodies, those can linger for a while because the body mounted this, uh, you know, this response to that exposure, just like when we're testing other disease processes like Lyme and things like that. I mean, you can treat it, but the test could still be positive, but you're look, you know, you have to go a step further to titers and things like that to determine success or failure. And, uh, you know, and in this case, um, you know, we're just going to kind of monitor and, and watch for symptoms, knowing we're not treating, get, get beyond the, the life expectancy of the adult in, in the cat and, you know, know that that clears, but then have to monitor very closely for those, um, you know, the the processes that can occur with respiratory diseases and and oh. heart, you know, heart changes due to damage from the the heartworm itself. Watching kidney function and liver, all these things you have to now kind of monitor to make sure that the heartworm didn't create any long lasting severe changes that, you know, that could impact the life expectancy of our cat. Yeah. That's it's sounding like it's the, the most serious parasite a cat could get. Yeah. Because the, you know, the, the concern becomes that we know it can kill both dogs and cats. Yeah. You know, it, it's, we always say prevention in the case of heartworm becomes the most important because we know even though in the dogs we have treatment, there's still a concern. Does that treatment end up creating a situation where as those adults die off, it creates an issue where they throw a thromboembolism and they die suddenly. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot that even goes into the, the, the treatment course of dogs because 
you know, it's not just a, well, here's the drug, you're done. There's ramp up where we're using, uh, you know, doxycycline as an, not only an anti-inflammatory, but it has an impact on weakening, you know, the heartworm. And then you get them started on the prevention and then you finally treat in month one, and then you treat a month later with two injections, and then they have to be kept at strict rest for six months. I mean, this isn't a benign treatment course. Now, we don't have that in our cats, but now we have to really watch them and keep them quiet even longer because we don't even have the ability to control it other than steroid to help with inflammation. Yeah. so... That's why it is serious. The good news is we don't see it as often in cats. And that's why you don't hear veterinarians oftentimes going, let's test every year. Absolutely, 100%, every cat needs to be on heartworm prevention 12 months out of the year. We have them. We do hear that. I mean, I had I had an email here from one of our listeners that said that that spurred this that said, how much of an issue is it really for my indoor cats? I sometimes think the vets advocating prevention just want to do a little extra billing. I've never heard of a cat belonging to anyone I know having heartworms. So, I mean, it is rare, but it's also potentially deadly and not treatable. So why wouldn't you, you know, why, why wouldn't you at, at least do some level of prevention? What is the medication like? And are there any risks of the prevention medication? Uh, they're oral. They're, there's very minimal risk with these. Like any medication, there's always going to be that pet that has a, a reaction to what's being used but there are topical medications as well as oral medications that are out on the market um, for the prevention of heartworm. And I'm absolutely with you, Molly. It with, you know, when, when we think about, yes, it's rare, but if they get it, you can't treat it. And if they do get it, it potentially could cause death or lifelong medical issues moving forward. That is why the American Heartworm Society you know, says, think of the number 12, you know, test every 12 months because you just want to monitor that you're not seeing anything. And then 12 months of preventive, because we know that the preventives for the most part are very effective. We just, you know, but we're, one of the reasons we always recommend it in our dogs on an annual basis is all, well, you know, there's two things. One is, just because you sell 12 months, does the pet get it for 12 months? So I always used to say, because I'm always transparent, it's my client check. Have you given it? Because if you bought it and you gave it, there shouldn't be any reason they should become positive. And then, um, you know, so so we're, we're, we're doing it that way. And the other thing is we're also always monitoring because the nature of organisms and parasites or they get smart and they start to develop resistance. And we have to monitor if we start to see an uptick and we say, wow, we know these patients are on heartworm prevention, yet they're positive. Now you start looking at the, you know, at the drug itself. And so there's a, you know, and there's probably other things, you know, other reasons I could talk about always want to do that. And cats would be no different. 
Um, but to your point, one, cats don't come in as often, you know, as our dogs. And right. I think, I, you know, I think the email you received is, is also that it's like, well, if it's rare, do I really have to? Right. But I think you, know, you look at it like insurance, right? It's 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 buying insurance. You want to buy the right amount. You don't want to buy too much. And you certainly don't want to have too little. And I mean, if you live in an area where there's lots of mosquitoes, I think you've got you've to gotta do it. Now, one of the things that I often do, there's a product out there uh, called Cedar Side. And it, it comes in a cedar oil flavor, which I found cats don't like a whole lot, but it also comes in uh, lemongrass uh, mm. scents, which cats do seem to tolerate better. I spray it really heavily on my hands and then just rub through my cat's fur, like onto the skin. Cause it's a, you know, it's a mosquito repellent, natural right. mosquito repellent. So, but you know, I, I live in a pretty dry climate, high elevation, been, Unless we're having horrible monsoons, we don't ever see mosquitoes here. So, right. but you know, when we're in Texas, we do, of course. So, right. Yeah. And, you know, again, there are, you know, that's another form of trying to prevent the spread of disease is maintaining some form of uh, mosquito control. Mm hmm. And there are a lot of services out there. I mean, I use one at my house that comes and sprays every like three weeks during the mosquito season. Primarily, we're doing it so we can enjoy our backyard without having to worry about getting eaten alive. Right. <laughs> but indirectly, it's also helping our dog. <laughs> um, but ultimately, the only thing that we know that's proven to truly prevent the disease are the, you know, preventives that are FDA approved because those are the things that we know take care of and prevent the spread of, of heartworm. Right. Right. Cause all the other diatomaceous earth and the, and the cedar side products and things like that, if you're not doing it all the time, right. Cause it doesn't last a month, obviously it lasts for a few hours, maybe an afternoon, maybe a day at best that the cat smells like that has it on it. That's actually repelling um, repelling those parasites. So I definitely agree. The best treatment would be, would be the oral treatment or topical because they have a topical that's a, um, tick flea and heartworm combo for cats, right? They're starting. Yeah. I mean, more and more coming out. Um, you know, one, you know, we had, you know, through, uh, through one company, uh, came out with the very first all-in-one that does, Fleas, ticks, uh, heartworm, parasites, you know, you know, GI parasites as well. Uh, and now a second one is get, getting ready to be released, you know, on the market. Uh, so they're constantly improving. And the way I kind of think of it, particularly the all-in-ones, you know, in our dogs, dogs, I can say, okay, we definitely need flea. We definitely need tick. We definitely need heartworm. And yep, we want the GI parasites as well because, you know, we know there's a high prevalence of those. Yeah. In cats, the talk would be, we definitely want the flea. We definitely want the tick. We definitely want to control the parasitic GI parasites. Mm -hmm. 
And oh, and the benefit of them now is we also cover heartworm, which while rare, it's already in the product. So no harm, no foul. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be great. That'd, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's just a little different approach because, you know, we're all creatures of habit. And we've treated heartworm and dogs for years. You know, when I first started, it was a daily pill that you had to give your dog. Mm, wow. Um, and now they're oral every month. There's even a six month injection and there's a 12 month injection in, you know, in our, in our dogs. So um, the more we talk about heartworm and cats, you know, if we started to see an increase in the, you know, the diagnosis of heartworm in cats, I think it becomes easier for us to change the behavior to get owners thinking, hey, let's prevent this because it's easily preventable and there's no treatment. And right. it's just going to be a process over time, you know, and with that, maybe one day they'll come up with a treatment. In yeah, cat. that's that's true. You know, we just don't have one right now. Yeah, I just think it's, you know, I also wonder, maybe it's not as rare as we all think it is because they go undiagnosed. You know, exactly. there's a lot of people that aren't going to spend the money for, you know, tests. And sometimes vets know that and won't even suggest it. And and it just goes undiagnosed and cats die suddenly or they, you know, they're having trouble breathing and you're assuming it's a heart issue or a asthma issue or or that sort of thing. I remember I had uh, Tabasco was my cat and I had, a, he had a, an x-ray which showed lung damage. It showed pretty, you know, it, she never mentioned that it could have been heartworms. You know, we lived in Texas, so it probably could have been, but she never mentioned that, but there was a definite change in his lungs. There was lung damage and we couldn't really pinpoint anything that it could have been other than maybe dust from clay litters or, right. you know, scents around the house or things like that. But um, that very well could have been heartworms. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and that's part of the issue is because it's not common to routinely test for it. And even leukemia AIDS, yeah. The recommendation isn't that every single year you're testing cats. You know, we can say in the literature, there's arguments that we should be monitoring leukemia AIDS every single year in cats, but we tend to test them and then either vaccinate for them or only test when they're symptoms. This is no different. You know, we only think heartworm when everything else is coming back negative and we're like, okay, well, let's now look at the heartworm component and the tests, again, it's tough to diagnose, but boy, when you do get that positive diagnosis, it becomes really important. It's no different than think Lyme disease in the past. We've probably had more Lyme disease in areas faster than we knew because it took a long time before we routinely test for it. I almost tell my 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 canine patients, I'm more worried about Lyme and that test is, so the heartworm is combined with um, anaplasmosis, ehrlichiosis 
and Lyme disease. Um, so I want to monitor that far greater than the heartworm because most of my canine patients are on heartworm, but it took a long time to get there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so probably by the time my daughter's well into the middle of her career as a veterinarian, this could be a different conversation that she could yeah. have with you because she'd be talking about, oh man, we routinely diagnose heartworm in cats now, but yeah. And know, hopefully there'll be a treatment by then too. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and I think again, right now the, you know, the thought process is they aren't the natural host. It's rare that it progress, you know, that they get it to where it becomes clinical. Therefore, there's no incentive to make medications to treat it. No one would buy it. Right. <laughs> right. Well, the medications are made, you know, but to your point and, and to the, the one that sent the email to you, sometimes it's like, Hey, heartworm. Well, but it's not, it's kind of rare. I know that because I read about it or I listened to this show and they said it's rare. So why the heck, you know, you're just trying to pad your bill and make more money by selling me a preventive that's really not doing anything. But now today, I think we've educated everybody to say it's not about padding the bill. We're talking about an easy prevention in a disease that's not treatable that can yeah. potentially kill our patients because this parasite is that devastating if they get it. And even if they get it and, and recover from it, there can be long-term implications that they have to then deal with the remainder of their life. Yeah. And so boy, an ounce of prevention. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Literally. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's it. And I think that's really the takeaway is that, you know, A, uh, there's going to be a lot of listeners who didn't know their cat could get heartworms. There was any such thing as heartworms in cats because they they don't hear about it. And then B, the, the understanding that there's no treatment because we, we see heartworm treatment for dogs all the time. So, you know, you think, well, then there's got to be a treatment for a cat. No big deal, but there's not. And then the, the seriousness of it. And so, yeah, heck yeah, do some form of prevention if you're in an area where there's mosquitoes. So you see mosquitoes around there landing on your pets just as much as they're landing on us. Right. So um, no, absolutely. absolutely. All of that is prudent and makes total sense. So yeah, I appreciate you educating us on heartworms in cats today. No, it's all, always my pleasure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. And thank you everybody for tuning in. Get your cat some heartworm prevention treatment the next time you take him to the vet. And if you haven't taken your cat to the vet in a very long time, make sure you get them in at least annually, maybe, um, twice a year if you have a senior pet or a pet with with other issues so it's i know it's stressful and it's hard to get them there and it's a real pain in the butt and it stresses everybody out but it's absolutely necessary you you need to do it so get your cat to the vet and get some heartworm prevention treatment summer's not over yet so <laughs> i've said it better myself <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for tuning in and until next time keep calm and purr on you can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air in the u.s about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues 
Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.